0: Today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, we're with Stefan Gans, who is Senior Vice President, Chief Insights and Analytics Officer at PepsiCo. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and Founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand consultancy that taps into emotional insights to strengthen connections between brands and people.
1: And I'm co-host Jasmine Moradi, behavioral sound scientist passionate about quantifying how sound impact consumers' emotions.
0: The limbic system part of our brain supports our emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. Jasmine and I love to talk with brand leaders who appreciate how these subconscious functions impact conscious human behavior. We're curious about how our guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. We want to know what makes our guests tick and how they are applying emotional insight to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Thank you so much, Stefan, for being with us today. And let's talk Limbic Sparks.
2: Thank you.
1: (laughs) Nice to meet you, Stefan. How are you doing today?
2: Nice to meet you too, Jasmine, Kevin. I
1: am am in Greenwich, Connecticut,
2: where I live. um, Which, uh, other than a lovely place to live, is also close to PepsiCo's global headquarters, which is in Purchase, New York where I have not been for the past year because of COVID, <laughs> but, uh, um, but this is where I live and I'm I'm doing pretty well today. Thank you.
1: Talking about the pandemic, mm. uh, we've all had a chance to think and prioritize about the things that are most important to us. What would you say are the three to five things that you care most about in your life and your career?
2: First of all, of course, there's my uh, my family, my immediate family, so my, my wife and my four kids, and um, and my extended family, um, all of whom live in the Netherlands, which is far away. And in the context of the pandemic, that, that I mean, this is obviously not a surprising answer, but but the pandemic, I'm used to living in the States with my extended family being in, in Europe, and I'm used to knowing that I can jump on a plane anytime and be with them if uh, be with my parents or anybody else from my family if I wanted to or, or needed to um, that of course has been suddenly really uh, much more complicated so um, to your point that made me realize even more than ever before what it means to actually be far away mm. um, and how important those those relationships are for me Another thing that's really important for me is, is let's say, the outdoors. Uh, so, I, uh, I, I, I live on a river, I'm overlooking a little lake uh, here. Um, I spend a lot of time outside. And uh, that is, and I like the outside in, in this part of the world a lot. So, that's a key reason why I'm here. And when it comes to work, I con- consider myself incredibly. Uh, as Americans say, blessed uh, with the fact that I, that I work at PepsiCo, which is a company that has so far been able to weather the pandemic quite quite well. Right. So of course, uh, the pandemic has is a disaster in 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 too many uh, different ways to describe for for all of us and for for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but, um, and it has brought a lot of change to our business, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, the company has, has, has done a remarkable job, uh, shifting gears and, and really, uh, taking, taking really good care of the business of its customers, but also of its employees. So I'm, I I consider myself really lucky to be in this place. And then finally, I, I love the job that I have, right? So I'm, uh, I'm I'm um, I'm responsible for consumer insights, and I mm. I like people a lot, and I I and and i I happen to be the most curious person I know. So I I uh, I'm also in a constant state of amazement, even more than than I was before the pandemic, about why consumers, why people like myself and and the two of you, uh, why we do what we do and why we make the decisions that we make. Both big and small decisions.
1: Very interesting. and when you say that um, you really like people, so then when it comes to friendships, the friends who you are closest with today, what would you say are mm-hmm. some of the things that you value most in those relationships?
2: Both camaraderie and and, and, and mutual challenge. So I, I like friendships where I um, where I can be, uh well obviously the camaraderie angle eh, where I feel safe and and um, where I feel home in in in, in the non-literal uh, sense of the world word, but also I like uh, friendships that challenge me and um, and I like hanging out with friends that I can challenge on uh, anything on what we think or believe or, uh, or just to make fun of each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's usually the best part.
2: Yeah, sometimes it is. The,
1: The reason I ask you specifically about this question is because I think that there are often commonalities between what people value in human relationships and the values that they associate with the brands that are important in their lives. So describe for us a brand experience that you recently had that was very, very frustrating. No need to name the brand. Just what about the experience that was so bad?
2: I go to those service type of brands and and there is a, there is a, a company here called Optimum, which is uh, which, which could not have chosen its name uh, more cynically. Uh, they provide internet and they provide uh, TV and they provide, so they provide that, those type of services to my home. And and there's a peculiar situation uh, with them is, is that it, I, have, I don't really have another option and they know it. And so whenever something is amiss with them, um, which is quite often, especially at this time of year because I live in the United States. So every, every cable goes above ground. So every tree branch that falls anywhere in the Northeast message up my internet. They position themselves as a brand. So that, that is a very, uh, um, let's say difficult relationship. If uh, To make that connection that you just made, uh, Jasmine, uh, uh, I don't feel any camaraderie whatsoever. <laughs> <with those people.
0: laughs> I, I, I have to interject for a second, uh, Stefan, and, and, and say that um, Optimum is the only brand that I've ever in my life reported to the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> Just a coincidence there. We didn't know that before this. If you should join the force,
2: then I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll fight your cause. But,
1: but me not being American, or I haven't been, how come is the only choice?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, After
1: today's we, society, right? There's yeah, But so tec-
2: Well, technically, there is another choice, and that is you buy a satellite dish, right, and you put it on your roof, and, and you and you and you you go that way but again but that is a a big hassle plus I I said earlier you know a little bit about how I live there's a lot of trees very high trees around my house mm-hmm. so a satellite dish apparently That's is it. also not ideal so I'm really kind of screwed I kind of screwed with this
1: company so let's go to the positive side of it then so now yeah. we are curious to know uh, what about a memory from a really good brand experience
2: is is music music in my house and and, and music <laughs> um, uh, uh, to help change uh, uh, the, the vibe in the house or, or or change something around and i'm not bringing this up just because it happens to be Space of your your area of interest.
1: uh, (laughs) uh,
2: There's two brands I can pick: uh, Spotify and Sonos. Let me pick Sonos there because Sonos is uh, Sonos has really uh, made it so easy to access music in so many practical ways, Mm. and it just works so well. Um, That is a that is a brand that I have very positive experiences with. Every, every single day.
1: Would you then say that Sonos are great at working with Limbic Sparks in their experiences? Uh, did you, like, the emotional motivation meet brand desire feeling? Sonos
2: is really one of those brands that that has such a strong product that the moment I, I remember, let's say, discovering that product and discovering the, the benefits of that product, I was already sold, if you want. <laughs> the... the Sonos is is not a brand that at least in my perception has spent a lot of time or money convincing me of anything but their their functional excellence from day one created uh, products that are not necessarily gorgeous but but acceptable, right, to put in your house. That struck a chord with me and... um, and, uh, and, so, you, yeah, I guess you could call that a limbic spark, right?
1: And, and how many products of Sonos do you have? Uh, <laughs> you have to One, two, three, four, five.
2: Seven, I think. Seven, seven different speakers, yeah. basically, right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and an app. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so Sonos and Spotify together becomes even more spark. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I want to dig deeper into this area of brand desire, and um, I'm going to, Stefan, you and I have known each other for quite a while, um, but I'm going to ask you to pretend that we're just meeting for the first time, and ask you to describe yourself, but I want you to do it only naming five brands. I'm incredibly curious,
2: so I think Wikipedia, Google, not so much only for its search, but also because I now have like two of these Google speakers in my house that I talk with a lot, because I'm I come across a word I don't know, or something I don't know, or a bird I see outside my window that I don't know. I would say Patagonia, uh, that, that that is about the outdoors. Let's stick with Sonos as a brand that that, uh, that that links really to my home life and my, my family life. Peloton, uh, because of, which is a brand I spend a lot of time with these days. I yeah. want to ask you
0: about another type of brand in your life, and this would be a brand from your childhood. Is there a brand that you grew up with, a a brand, something that just was very important to you back then that has, whether or not you still use it, has significant meaning or emotional connection or brings back certain memories in your life? MTV. MTV. It's a great one. Why is that?
2: When I think about MTV and into MTV coming, let's say, into my life, I had left my my parents' house and I was Mm -hmm. Uh, really enjoying uh, my newfound freedom a lot. MTV also did something that I'll never forget, which I think is least incredibly fantastic, is that they, they wanted to be on 24-7, uh, but of course they didn't have content to to be on 24-7. So they did this thing, what they called, what they put on at night, uh, starting like two 1 or 2 a.m., uh, and it was called landscape television. So they would put would put a a camera under a plane or a helicopter or whatever or fly across northern Sweden or Scotland or southern Spain or or whatever and if I would come back home from uh, uh, you know a night of drinking with my friends and we, you know, we would be in. In we had this communal space, and which we also was our kitchen. And landscape television would on, would be on, and we would watch landscape television. Wow,
0: MTV is I, what a what a brand. I mean, I remember when MTV came out, and it was so breakthrough. Um, and and all of a sudden, you got to meet these bands through their videos. And yeah. I could still remember some of the iconic, the first the first videos. Like uh, I'll start naming them, but that will be weird. Um, Uh, But uh,
2: To to your point, sorry to interrupt, but but to your point, I think uh, that's that's actually a third really important thing that it did for me. Much like what TikTok does now, it opens up this incredible can of creativity, right? Mm -hmm. If you spend half an hour on TikTok, which I do every now and then because I'm just mind boggled. MTV was really indeed uh, opening up a singular, uh, uh, a similar type of Outlet for creativity with with you know uh, the the videos that bands were ma- were making it was really spectacular and then of course there was Christiane Bucker who um, was one of the first VJs in Europe. Mm-hmm. Who I was completely in love with, but
0: people, <laughs> we all were. <laughs> so aside from uh, her and some of the other things that you mentioned, what what are some of the things that you think they did strategically? I mean, they launched this incredible music revolution that never existed before. What do you think the 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 leaders of that brand and and the folks who ran MTV um, were doing right back then? With your knowledge now as a as a brand strategy leader,
2: if you think about the three. Uh, angles that I just mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. From, from given my, my background and my phase in life uh, that, that I was when that when that came in when MTV came into my life. Those are very deep uh, emotional territory. taps into into fundamental um, needs and, 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 and emotions like, for example, the the newly found freedom that I that I mentioned earlier. if you can can become an icon for that uh, then uh, you know your 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 brand relationship can't really get much stronger than that and i think like in in the words that i know that i would know now that i would apply to it now given my uh, god knows uh, what 25 or so years of experience as, as a marketing person i think the 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 power was really the power of authenticity, right? So it was really, Mm -hmm. this is, they really wanted to do this. I mean, and and this is, uh, there was really, nothing felt contrived or forced or even thought about for that much necessarily, (laughs) right? It was just a raw, authentic, we wanna celebrate uh, music and artists and uh, creativity.
1: Yeah. but but what about this feeling I'm wondering if you guys felt that what about this emotional feeling of knowing that next that could come makes you high right like for example if if we knew that that in the 90s let's say Baxter Boys had a new uh, video coming out we could sit and wait and await and wait yeah. for like the next one next one and there you had it yeah. <laughs> so it was almost like like christmas you, you could sit and wait for that cool video coming up and i think yeah. i feel the same when i'm watching like short videos on facebook and on tiktok it's like when is that video coming that's giving it giving you that rush
2: well yeah uh, uh, it's an interesting point also uh, i think because at the time the the sequence of those videos and and the, You would attribute that to to the VJ, to to one of those people Mm -hmm. that was like supposedly what wasn't the case. They were just the the figurehead, like the the talking uh, head in your camera, but or in your screen. Today, that's being replaced with by algorithms now, right? Whether you talk TikTok or or what's the next song that you hear on Spotify, and um, uh, so there's a that is of course the, the you know a really interesting revolution where my 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 oldest daughter sarah the other day i, I don't know how we got to talk about it but she was really excited she she, she literally said like uh, now it's really cool my my, my my face, my sorry, my 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 Spotify algorithm is really smart now. It knows exactly what I like. Training a little monkey, kind of thing, <laughs> oh,
1: to man. give you these rushes all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> nonstop. So, uh,
2: because she was she was she was sending me a song and said you should, listen. I think you'll like this. And I said, gee, where, where did you find? It? I'm being my age. I asked her, how did you find that?
0: Like, <laughs> <laughs> it appeared. <laughs> so
2: my algorithm is super smart
0: oh man that,
2: uh, yeah that, how, so that's really a very different that's the, that's actually a really great metaphor for mm. what, what or metaphor example of what personalization really means right mm. from relying on somebody else that you like or in, for whatever yeah. reason, to pick things for you to actually uh, like a, a machine
0: you can train yeah. uh, wow I, i'm curious um stefan as as you think about the values and the core ideals that you bring into the work that you do today, what are some of the things that you learned from mentors across your career that you you believe really influence um, what you what you uh, strive to do today?
2: One of the things that I that I that I, somebody once told me um, I, something I, I I guess I in, in print, intrinsically knew, but I but it really brought a, a point home, and I think about that a lot, and that is every every great person on your team is a volunteer and it helps me a lot to think the other way around and to to think especially for good people they they you should treat them as a volunteer um, because they can work they can literally work anywhere else right so um, uh, and yeah they get paid and uh, and, and there's uh, you know small or big company doesn't matter it comes with its its benefits but people need to especially in a leadership role you need to make sure that the, that the good people have a reason to go to work every day that is beyond having to pay the mortgage or or uh, saving for their uh, for their retirement well, I always
0: remember that about working with you as your your style and your just the, the way you approach your team is just so sincere all the time um, and you're always looking out for their best interest which I always appreciated
2: yeah. And um'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be uh, look uh, not not selective. i'm I'm always gonna be sincere and i'll I'll try to or I think I, 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 I don't really have a choice. I'm always authentic, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't really know how to not be, but um,
1: it's not very common.
2: Yeah, I've I've heard that a lot. In big
1: companies. Yeah,
2: in big companies. I've heard I, I get that feedback often, but I, I really honestly for me that, that is effortless. Mm-hmm. Where I got in trouble myself, and that was at the in the earlier part of my careers, is where I tried to be somebody I wasn't, right? So right. When I got into a leadership role and I thought, okay, so now this means I need to do this or I need to behave in a certain way or whatever. Then things came crashing down, and I completely mm-hmm. lost it. I one of my favorite sayings is that the older I get, the more I start to look like myself, and, <laughs> and, and that is uh, uh, that is arguably the biggest uh, kind of uh, source of strength that I that that I have is just to be guess. myself. Not that I'm so great,
0: but it's just. But you're you, yeah.
2: But I'm you. I, I'm, I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and I I can also only, to be honest, I can also, I can, it's the only way to do jobs like, like the one I'm doing now. It's just, it takes too much energy for me to try and be somebody else.
0: Yeah. Wow. I can't do that. Wow. We want to get into that, uh, your role right now and understand a bit more about it. And I know Jasmine has a, a few questions about um, the details of the analytics part of your role. But before we start there, can you just share a bit more about the brands that you support and what inspires you about the role that you have the team you have around you?
2: Yeah, sure. so i so i I lead a global function in PepsiCo, right? Consumer insights. And so um, my team supports all, all the brands that PepsiCo has. So that's there's a lot of beverages brands, like obviously Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Gatorade, uh, SodaStream, stream, uh, cetera um and there's a lot of uh, food brands uh lace quaker doritos uh united um so that's a that's a that's a broad set of brands um in in in, if you if you look at one level deep deep or beyond the the big master brands in a lot of different subcategories what all those categories have in common and hence what all the brands have in common is that it's 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 uh, the type of brands and products that are incredibly uh, common they're they're like daily usage it's there's nothing uh, pretentious or there's nothing um uh let's say there's nothing that is not day-to-day about them and i mm-hmm. and, and so to your question that is exactly what I what I love about them. I love working with with brands that touch, or at least can touch, people's everyday life um, in in unassuming ways, funny ways, uh, functional ways. Um, sometimes a little like maybe a little bit assuming when they, when they position themselves as a treat. Um, but, but very practical ways like my god I, I i did a big workout and i could do with a a gatorade drink now mm-hmm. so i i love that i love the everydayness of life uh, and i love the everydayness of of the brands and the products that that's uh, my business is in so uh that gives me, that truly that is a source of energy for me.
1: When I'm listening to you, I hear that we are very similar. I'm also very much like interested in, in people and figuring out how they work and when they're testing things. So we're interested to, uh, to know what shifts have you implemented around collecting consumer insights since you started? Let me talk
2: about two uh, areas where we made a lot of changes. So the, the first one is a bit more, Let's say internal, um, because the, the function that I lead um, is a, um, used to be completely decentralized, right? And to the extent that there were as many different ways of running a certain type of consumer test as there were inside teams in PepsiCo. And PepsiCo is a large company, right? So th- there's, a, there's roughly 600 people working in insights and analytics across the world. Um, uh, so that is a, So if everybody does their, does their work in roughly, you know, roughly in different ways, you've got 600 ways of, of, of doing a certain type of test, 600 ways of collecting data, if you want, 600 different ways of forming an opinion whether something is a good idea to pursue for a brand or a business or not. Wow. And, um, so, uh, so, and some of those 600 ways would be brilliant and the best way to do it out there and, and many others worked. Simple. So what we, what we did, uh, is, um, we, uh, standardized and digitized a lot of the ways of working in, in consumer insights, which means that we can now leverage our scale, which, uh, um, which has multiple advantages. So we have, uh, it has an advantage that we use better tools. It has the advantage that we, uh, tools, better methodologies, it has an advantage that we can work faster. It has advantages in that, that we can work a lot cheaper, mm. it, but arguably the most important uh, advantages are in the space of that we're now collecting uh, data that is comparable and usable that teaches us about, I don't know, for example, breakfast behavior if we're doing research around how people have breakfast uh, either in their home or on the go or how that is changing because they're spending more time at home now um, for our quaker business for example then uh, and doesn't matter if we do that in the philippines or in or in germany or in argentina or in in canada Um, the data we we collect um, uh, we do that in such a way that we can look across, and we can do what what then is often called meta learning. So we don't only learn in Canada, but we mm. learn about consumer behavior and breakfast, and we can see similarities between Argentina and the Philippines, maybe. I'm just making this up. Mm. Mm. So there's a there's a phenomenal. Um, Amount of time and energy has has gone and still goes into that into into really becoming one tight knit functional family with one way of working, so we can be smarter. Uh, uh, another big focus area is in the in 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 finding for each and every specific business challenge where we want to learn for from consumers, it's finding the right balance between between. Uh, data-driven uh, types of insights and, and empathy, qualitative uh, yeah. uh, uh, methodologies in most places in the world and and for most businesses. And uh, I, I I believe that you need that you're best served with both angles, right? So both a qualitative and a quantitative, you could say, or mm-hmm. data-driven and an empathy-driven type of uh, type of uh, angle. And where those two intersect, that's where the where the the best learning happens.
1: And how are you then specifically working on improving the reliability of the data to understand and predict your consumer behavior?
2: There's no really one one-size-fits-all answer to that, um, uh, Jasmine. It's a for example when when we when we take take the example of um, uh, testing of advertising ideas, right? Mm. So. We used to do um, all of that with an external party that that has a well-established uh, methodology uh, that we don't like a lot because uh, because prof- uh, so just because the methodology is basically rooted still in those days that um, uh, my parents and I would sit on my parents' couch wow. and we watch TV all night and and lo and behold there's an ad and oh my god let's now talk about what we think about the ad right that's not that's kind of a far cry from from today's reality
1: yeah it's not Um, correct
2: so we we created a a a different way of 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 testing uh tv advertising in ideas we we created that ourselves with a not with a research agency with but with a technology partner and we now created a tool that. Actually, turns out because we've now run it thousands of times, um, does a does an incredibly good job in predicting the sales impact of a certain piece of advertising. So if wow. we so if we air this particular campaign, we know it's going to drive uh, a positive sales outcome, and and with a likelihood of in the like high 80s percent. So like a correlation between the creative that you put on and and the ultimate outcome, whereas the traditional external to the, the correlate that correlation would be in the twenties. Right? So the ability for 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 data to be predictive is is of course that is something that's crucial and and there's many different parts of PepsiCo where we're building capabilities around that. Think about e-commerce, which is grown at accelerated pace over the past year as as i'm sure you know so Mm -hmm. so uh, which is and which is e-commerce is an environment that is of course incredibly data rich and where the 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 marketing influencing and 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 the action is uh, right people are buying something or not buying something um, are all in in one measurable and, and trackable ecosystem so you can You can learn very much, very quickly there about what does work, what doesn't work in terms of advertising or in terms of promotions uh, or in terms of innovation.
1: So let's look into the emotional side of the uh, customer experience. I know that research has indicated that emotion is the most important component. Therefore, we are interested to know what role does emotion play at PepsiCo in creating more brand desire for your customers. The,
2: the products need to fulfill a certain need, um, and, uh, and 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 very often in our businesses, those needs are very let's say physical, right? So there's, there's a there's there's a thirst or hunger, or there's a desire to nibble or something for stress relief or what, whatever, but there's there's functional needs there's taste uh, needs and desires and why Gatorade why an energy drink or some kind of replenishment from from Gatorade instead of instead of just water and a banana right and and so so a brand has a has a role to play in, in explaining you know why that product makes sense functionally but by 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 appealing to the athlete within right um, uh, all of us or, or many of us Gatorade is actually able to link to take it to make the um, to make you really feel good about yourself
1: these efforts, emotional efforts that you guys have been working with have they led to a better customer experience and a more effective marketing have, have you seen that
2: for sure yeah How? I
1: mean,
2: well it, it's first of all it's defendable um, because if you stick only with your functional others can can do that too so you you create a you create a space in uh, an, an a set of associations with consumers that are unique between the factory where we make our products and and the usage of those products by consumers there's of course an, an, an there's a there's a long way to go, right? So through uh, sales channels uh, and through our that are owned by our customers, and uh, having a strong brand that has uh, appeal beyond the the functional uh, space um, that allows you to. Uh, let's say, build those relationships with with our customers that help us get the product to to our consumers, ultimately, in in the vast majority of cases still. Um, That really helps us create uh, excitement in a store that draws consumers in. Uh, It it helps us create, it helps us with really growing a category and making a strategy with our customers to, to, to grow a category, so the customer is ultimately growing their business so there's a it has a lot of let's say organizing benefits beyond the pure functional benefits of uh, of the product
1: but then it's interesting to know like your brands PepsiCo's brands um, have worked many years with building up this emotional uh, marketing or branding and then the impact of COVID has now forever changed people's emotional state of mind and needs. It has totally disrupted consumption habits and desires. Um, then it's interesting to say, what changes have you noticed in your consumers' behaviors and emotions and how have your brands responded to that?
2: A key job of my, uh, my function and my teams is to figure out which of the things that we're now seeing around us are really going to stick yeah mm. which, which of the mm. things are are uh, here to stay how because that's important for our, our business right think about um if you think about uh, uh, like like drinks or you know, I, think about all those brands that that have <coughs> marketed convenient breakfasts to us over the past mm. decade and um and and and, and and how that was all uh, created with, with commutes in mind, right? And then you you got to get your train, and then you can have your breakfast on the train because it's a liquid whatever thing. And, and now suddenly nobody's on the train anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a... Is that coming back? Are people just all going back into their cars and their train and, um, and commuting like we were before? or are we not going to do that? Uh, that is an important thing to know for brands who will work in that space.
0: It's going to be so interesting to see how how these behaviors continue to evolve mm-hmm. and which stick and which revert. That's going to be fascinating Absolutely. to see over the next period of time. We've talked a lot about um, the intersection of emotional motivation and when it uh, creates and meets with brand desire, this idea that we call limbic sparks. What do you believe um, is the best way for brands to think about creating limbic sparks right now.
2: That intersection of differentiation and authenticity. No, I, I, I should say the intersection of relevance and authenticity. That's better. Rele- that's better. Okay,
0: relevance and authenticity. That is fantastic. Uh,
2: yeah, and that, uh, if 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 you hit that that sweet spot, then then uh, you got you can uh, you can have all the sparks you want.
0: <laughs> that is great. When when you think about uh, brands that are not thinking about emotion and emotional insights why do you why do you think that some some brands are not going there there's so much proven power yet it is still a often neglected or under leveraged aspect of brand leadership
2: yeah it's a complete over reliance then on 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 the functional benefits that people think they they have and that well or that or that people may have but but that people think are um unique and and defendable and 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 i think they and i think in today's uh, um, world uh, um, i can't think of any functional benefit in that in and of itself is uh, defendable for too long too long a time
0: one more question as a brand leader um what is it you know now that you wish you knew years ago?
2: Well I think uh, that, yeah it's a bit like a it's a bit maybe a bit of a comment from a guy with gray hair but, that it's, <laughs> but it, it's it's uh, it's about it's about the long term not not the short term right I, I think I was incredibly focused in the early 10-15 years of my career on short-term impact and, and that was also by the way what I was Asked to do and 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 uh, and, and really um, rewarded for, I um, uh, partly be, I guess because of my age and the role I have, but also because of the pandemic. What you see is the businesses that are truly resilient. I mean, the specific short termism um, is uh, is highly overstated in in, in uh, rated. Right? proper stewardship of a brand and a business for the long haul is 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 what businesses need and um, and in the situation we are in today proves how powerful and important that is
0: yeah so incredible.
2: continues to be able to to employ just roughly two hundred and seventy five thousand people um uh, uh, because, because our business is so resilient and because we're so well able to, to pivot uh, where we need to. Um, and we're able to pivot because we have phenomenal capabilities and, and strong brands that have been well taken care of for a long, long, long time. That is incredibly, and it has benefits that I didn't really connect with early on in my career. I, right. I wish I did though.
0: This has been an incredible conversation. If people want to contact you, what's the best way? Uh, through
2: LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, people can send me an email at uh, Um That would work.
0: Excellent. Well, thank Lovely. you. Oh, thank you so much for joining us on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. This has been a fantastic conversation, and we're just so thrilled. Um, that that you can be here and share all of this uh, experience and insight with us. Thank you so much. My pleasure.